0: Com, I work the number for him.com and now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our nine to five. This is the I work for him podcast.
1: Hey, welcome to I work for him this afternoon as we broadcast from Bend, Oregon. That's right back in Bend, Oregon, courtesy of the world changer network. Check them out online worldchangernetwork.com worldchangernetwork.com world Hey, we'd love to invite you to interact with us online.
2: That's right, Jim. So people can um, check us out on our, I don't know, let's say today, let's pick our Twitter.
0: Okay. I have a
2: challenge with Twitter, so I'm going to try to, you know, tweet more stuff. We hear amazing little snippets from our guests and um, God is just moving. And so that is just one way for people to connect with us. But I work for him on almost every social media platform will help people to find us. That's I work the number for him. And um, we try to keep connected any way that we can. So um, do whatever it is that you guys are doing as listeners and stay connected with us.
1: And you could also connect with us on our listener line, 866-713-9675, 866-713-9675. We'd love to hear from you how the shows are impacting you. If you've got suggested interviews for us, you know, just how I work, Ram, is making an impact on you. We'd love to hear from you, 866 713 9675 or 866713 work. As we said, we're on location in Bend, Oregon, courtesy of the World Changer Network, and this is really a kingdom collaboration between the World Changer Network and iWork for Him Radio. We like to call this collaboration the iWork for Him World Changer Radio Network. James and Anna Kramer, the founders of the World Changer Network, feel led by God to introduce the world to the only one capable of bringing real change and that's Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. James and Anna have arranged for us to interview some amazing people who are gathered here in Bend, Oregon at the Hub Nation Summit 2018. Today we're interviewing Ben Lim. Ben Lim can be found online at b100lim.org that's l i m.org. Ben Lim is a second generational pastor, second generation pastor out of LA and I'm going to let you tell a little bit. He's going to tell some of his
3: story. Ben Lim, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you so much, Martha and Jim, for having me. It's such an honor. And uh, what a beautiful day here in Bend, Oregon.
2: Oh my goodness, yes. It, it's amazing.
3: It's it's you know, To
2: wake up every day and see mountain peaks off in the distance. It is stunning,
3: what? gorgeous. It's amazing. When I arrived, when I landed yesterday on the airplane, I just gasped and I said, oh my gosh, this is like the most beautiful scenery that I've seen in a long time.
1: Oh, well, so. you've spent a lot of time in some dry, arid regions. You've been in the Middle East a lot. That's correct, yes. So
3: you don't get a lot of snow-capped mountains there? Uh, no, not at all. But, you know, we get a lot of Sahara Desert and a lot of sand, but, you know, some for some people that's very beautiful and gorgeous as well.
2: Oh, yeah. God but, uh, likes variety, so there is a variety, and that's, you know, it's great to see what he created here.
1: He definitely does. So, Ben, tell us a little bit of, of some of your story. How did you come to be, I, I know I've already said you're a second-generational pastor. How did you come to be a follower of Jesus, and how did you come to be a traveling itinerant evangelist?
3: Yeah, so a little bit about my story. I was born... Uh, uh, and I've Korean traditional pastor's family. My dad is a traditional pastor, and I just love that man of God. Happy belated Father's Day to you as well. Uh, But I was born and raised in a pastor's family, and uh, there was so much brokenness, even in midst of being faithful Christians and in the midst of the religiosity, and there was still so much brokenness. And after our birth mother left the family, going through a family divorce Mm. at the age of 11, I began to backslide. And with all that anger and hatred, I began to, you know, bully kids in school eventually go down into drugs. And uh, I became one of the biggest drug dealers of a certain thing in uh, Los Angeles for about four or five years at the age of 16. And uh, so I was living this life of of darkness, you know, gang activity and violence and drugs uh, for a majority of my middle school to my high school years. But around then, that's when I saw my father become my father. He was a distant pastor and he became a loving, saving, uh, gracious father. And my stepmom as well. She was a prayer warrior. And so they prayed me into salvation and literally at the age of 18 as I ended high school uh, there was a desperation for the Lord mm-hmm. and I said a simple prayer and I said God I hate my life and I know my life is meant to be more than this so if you're real answer my prayer tomorrow about leaving the country and literally the next morning my dad came, comes in he wakes me up and says Ben do you want to go to Australia and uh, uh, it was with YWAM Youth of the Mission uh-huh. and I, I left about one month later and my life got radically changed as I began to experience God in a different culture and context with all of these young people, young people on fire for Jesus doing community living. Now that has to be a miracle. And here I am (laughs) shaved head, big baggy clothes, you know, spirit of anger, just beaming out of me. But God began to work on my heart because I knew that he saved me from that past life. And when I entered into the new season, the new place in Australia, I gave him my everything. And one of my friends, uh, he's the leader there. And his best friend had Philippians 121 tattooed on his heart, which is uh, to live as Christ and die as gain. Mm. And one day as my leader and his friend with the tattoo as uh, my, uh, the, person with the tattoo, excuse me, as he was uh, proposing to his girlfriend at the edge of the ocean, a big wave comes and they both fall 30 feet into the ocean. Waves and caves and caverns are there. And they could not find Jeremy, the young man with the tattoo over Uh his heart. And when I heard that story about a young 24-year-old missionary who lived for Christ and die his gain, which is Philippians 121, that tattoo. And when I heard uh, Jeremy's story that he lived for Christ and he died to gain, Mm-hmm. That just wrecked me and that gripped my heart and I said, I want to be a radical for Jesus. And that was 18, when I was 18 years old, that's a little over eight years ago now, and uh, here we are. So that's a little bit about my story. <laughs> it's it's hard to keep up with that and we're excited about having you here on I Work
1: for Him because it is just exciting to hear how God is moving and I know that God is moving in amazing ways. Why don't you just give us a little foretaste of how God's been using you right now in the kingdom? I mean, you're traveling all over the place.
3: Yes. Well, uh, the three main assignments i have for this year is uh number 1 is build up an amazing healthy church and if anybody knows uh you know uh, los angeles you know that that is a difficult place to build a church mm-hmm. But I believe that it's in the darkest, most difficult places where God's going to shine the brightest. And really, my heart is Hollywood. You know, Los Angeles means the city of angels, the city of messengers. And we all know what kind of message is being produced and broadcasted from this amazing city. But Mm -hmm. guess what? The world's greatest revivals were birthed out of Los Angeles with Catherine Coleman, Amy Simpson McPherson, Azusa Street Revival, the Vineyard, uh, uh, the Jesus People Movement, and so on. And so we're believing for another great wave and a move of God from Los Angeles. And really, in my heart, is to build an amazing, healthy church mm. of radical, wild, burning ones who are sold out for the kingdom. And uh, as we shared right before this uh, radio show, you know, regularly our services are five, six hours long because people are so uh, they're drawn to the presence of God. You know, we don't want religion, we don't want to box in the Holy Spirit, but we just want the more of God. And uh, so, number one, uh, build up an amazing, healthy church family of radical, burning ones. And the second thing is uh, to build creative mediums for the gospel to reach the world and right now we have three feature films we're working on Uh, one of our films is called Salvacion. we have a private screening in August in just about two months and uh, our director believes that it's going to win the Sundance Film Festival we've already invested 15 grand into it and you know we're going to be investing more into it but just the level of creativity and the level of excellency that is being produced into these films that we're Making mm-hmm. is just incredible. You know, there's a lot of great films that are out there, but I believe there needs to be something a little bit more raw that's mm-hmm. going to speak not just to the Christian group, but as well to the world.
1: And and that kind of stuff is starting to really come out of Christianity, though. These raw films, you know, just the release recently of I can only imagine was a pretty raw film. Did you get a chance to see that?
3: I actually did not. I, I should. Think, though.
1: That's about as raw as as I have seen a Christian film. I mean, it was a it was incre- and it's done incredibly well because it was real and it dealt with abuse at home and it dealt with broken homes and it dealt with divorce and it dealt with, I mean, it it, it dealt with some good stuff. I mean, it was it was great, and it showed the message of Jesus at but, the center of it.
2: But I love that that's a direction that you're going because um, it, the world is hungry for that. And so, if you can tell us real quick, what is the what is the meat behind the story, or what is the um, what what's the draw in for Salvacion? Well, for
3: this movie, Salvacion, uh, it was filmed during our time in Mexico, just about two months ago, going into the largest red light district in mm-hmm. North Korea. So, being amongst the prostitutes, the brothels, going into the or. Orphan- Orphanages, seeing these children who have no fathers and mothers and as well going into the prisons and encountering the murderers and the mm. cartel gang members in these prisons. And as we began to film this movie, it was all protracted around this young little boy who was abandoned at a young age and he was left with hopelessness, but he received salvation or salvation uh. down the line. And it's just it's just so gripping because... The scenery is just so real and raw. And it really brings you into the hearts of the difficulties of Mexico and what it's like in that nation. But again, there's hope everywhere.
2: So Ben, you were telling us that you feel like God has three specific assignments for you right now in this season. And you said the first one is to build up a healthy church. And I love the word healthy. Thank you for you know feeling that that's a part of it, because it's one thing to grow big churches, but if they're not healthy and they're not deep then there's nothing solid going on there. Secondly, to create a, a, a medium... That you can engage. I, I didn't write it all down, but a creative medium. And you talked about the films film, and that you are working on right now. What is the third assignment that you feel God has on the you? The
3: third assignment is literally picking up these mantles for stadiums and crusades. I remember about two years ago, the first time I went to Pakistan, uh, the Middle East, uh, I was gripped with mass evangelism. Uh, I'm very good on one on one evangelism, I'm very good in, in all types of evangelism, really. Uh, but I got gripped with the prophetic words and prophecies about stadiums and crusades. And when I went to Pakistan, the Lord began to speak to me personally mm-hmm. about these mantles, quote unquote, or these legacies, ministries of people like Billy Graham mm-hmm. and Ryan Hard And this was before publicly Reinhard Bonnke came out about his throat cancer and how he's going to be passing on the baton to Daniel Kalinda and this was even before of course Billy Graham passed and so I was gripped with the fascination of investing our uh, finances and investing uh, all that we have to see mass amount of souls saved in one time now I believe uh, we definitely need to equip the saints But still, there's something about open heaven gatherings, about bombarding the heavens and the earth by by doing mass uh, gatherings, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and not just of Christian people, which is amazing. We see that happen even in America, but unbelievers, Mm -hmm. people who have no concept about Jesus, about the gospel, who are not church, people from other faiths and walks of life, who are hearing about uh, the gospel being preached and not just that, but demonstrated. I just came back from Pakistan, literally a few days ago, okay. and uh, we we did a crusade of sixty thousand people. We we're believing for more than a hundred thousand at this time, but it was at the same time of Ramadan, so therefore, you know, we didn't get too much of a large crowd. But the miracles were outstanding. It was probably the most amount of crippled and lame people that I've seen in one meeting. Talk to us about that. Let's just
1: step back for a second because there's a lot of people within the body of Christ that believe. That uh, uh, that healings that, that that gift doesn't any that it no longer exists. So how did you see that demonstrated in Pakistan? Because I've heard about incredible stories of God using healing to introduce people to Christ and the message of the gospel all over the world. How has God? How, how did that happen with you in Pakistan? What, what did that look like, and and what did you see, and what was the response to the gospel of those sixty thousand that were in that stadium?
3: Well, I hundred percent believe that. The gospel is not just with mere words, but as the Apostle Paul says, with power. And a lot of people do a lot of talk with a lot of tickling of the ears or a lot of elaborative teaching. But I believe the church is not a TED Talk. We're not about motivation. (laughs) We're about activation. We're about kingdom demonstration. And a a lot of people do not perceive the power of Jesus. You know, all throughout the gospels, we see the life of Christ where he tangibly healed people immediately, even for the blind person, he had to pray for him twice so i believe there's power in the name of jesus's power in the gospel and we have seen countless people where tumors have fallen off their bodies mm-hmm. we have seen demons flee and leave people's lives you know i could see things in the spirit and it, it's very obvious but in western christianity where we've become so secular or we've become so uh, uh just uh You know, Westernized, if I may say that, you know, we don't see these things a lot, but that's why even in Hollywood and in our young millennials, there's a craving for the supernatural, for witchcraft, for, uh, you know, uh, all these different types of practices. So God is really bringing uh, the supernatural back again to the forefront. And when we're in Pakistan, uh, Jim. People were just so hungry for the Lord that you could feel faith in the atmosphere. And these people who have no money, who have no doctors, you could literally feel them grabbing on to you in Jesus' name. Just like where it says the woman pulled on the hem of Jesus' right. garment, and he felt the virtue of healing leave. Right. I could feel the virtue of healing leave. I could feel it when people are pulling on faith and. Here we are, we're talking about an almighty God and why they should believe in Jesus, but why should they? Just because uh, uh, Asian western american man is saying something about this western religion or you know why should they turn to jesus and when there's signs and wonders as the bible says that when you preach the gospel signs and wonders these signs shall follow and uh you know i think it's so important uh for the power of god to show up because people need a demonstration people need to experience the power of jesus not just religious talk and mumbo jumbo but these people began to leave their wheelchairs. They began to drop their crutches and their canes. And uh, in that meeting, there was 13 people who were paralyzed and crippled and they began to walk. And, uh, you know, it's just incredible. We saw legs growing out. We saw tumors being dissolved. Uh, there was literally one lady, uh, who looked as if she was dead. She was mere skin and bone skeleton and somebody brought her up on stage. Now, what do you do when you see somebody who looks that I've seen dead people and we have seen the dead raised in our ministry as well. But what do you do when somebody who looks dead is brought up to the stage? Well, I we- think
1: I'd start praying
3: we start praying (laughs) yes exactly but you know how do we pray uh and not just pray you know jesus said heal the sick he never said pray for the sick he said heal the sick and so as i'm in prayer as we're being led by the holy spirit now i said now it's time to pray for this lady as we saw scores of people getting healed and and the miraculous flowing then i prayed for this lady and as she began to pray Literally, her eye sockets looked like she had no eyes. It was like turned over. And as we began to pray, she opened up her eyes. And as we began to pray, she turned towards her friend and she began to speak. Her friend who brought her up on stage said that this lady has not been able to speak for months because she was in so much pain. She looked like she came out of the Nazi concentration camps, Mm -hmm. mere skin and bone skeleton. And as she began to speak to her friend, she said, I need to go to the washroom, the bathroom. And for me, that is a sign of deliverance because she it looked like she ate nothing. There was not, no fluid in her system, but she says, I need to go to the washroom, which means that God is releasing something out of her body so that she may be healed. So for me, that was a testimony because she was not able to speak. Her eyes, which looked like it was behind in her sockets. She had no eyes, but her eyes were open. She began to speak and said, I need to go to the washroom. So God is still a miracle working mm-hmm. God. He is filled with... Uh, uh, power today and if the gospels are only about power and miracles in the time and the life of Jesus and the apostles then you know uh, I, I believe that is uh, that's uh, that's not honoring to the Holy Spirit you know
1: we serve the same God today who was alive 2000 years ago and has been around forever amen and, and but so often we're like yeah but that was then we don't see it now but yet that's because we're not looking for it now either yes yes so uh, you know we're we're here gathered for the Hub Nation Summit 2018, and which is be a gathering of leaders from across the country. And when we say the word leaders, we don't mean that they just they're in charge of an organization. We mean that they have influence over others. That's what a leader means. Why are you here at Hub Nation 2018?
3: Well, I believe I'm here because I carry. Uh a pivotal piece to connecting the dots for this millennial generation. Mm -hmm. If we do not reach this young generation, this millennial generation, then, you know, what is the future of America? Really? What is our Christianity? What is our faith ending up into where are we heading? And I believe that I carry a pivotal piece to creatively um, connect and reach the older generation with this current millennial generation, and not only to connect and to reach them, but as well to uh, connect platforms where they will understand what the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is all about, and to help prepare them in their identity for the second coming of Christ.
1: In speaking that into the millennials, but also into the older generations—people like us in our fifties, and the sixties, and people that are you know retired in their sixties and seventies. Is some of the vision that God given you in connecting those generations so that the older generations can pour into the younger generations? Because that's something that's missing in the body of Christ. Discipleship and mentoring and, and and really the living of life together and the sharing of wisdom. That because of how our, it, it, do you, has God been saying that at all to you? Because that's something, boy, I, I see such a desperate need for it. That the millennial generation needs, they need dads and older you know, spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers in their lives.
3: We absolutely do. And I believe, as it says in scriptures in Malachi chapter 4, that he is turning the hearts of the fathers to the sons and hearts of the sons to the fathers. And everything has to do with the family unit first. It does not happen in the government and the education. We cannot blame what's happening on the news or what's happening in the White House. We need to focus on what's happening in God's house. And I, I firmly believe that God is bringing a restoration as I've seen in my own life with my own father, mm-hmm. with my own pastor there is a restoration that's happening in the families and that's where we're going to become effective witnesses for the world
1: marriage is the fabric of society that's, it was God's game plan yes marriage 100%. and family yes sir. and that's something we need to get restored all right we're talking with Ben Lim he's an international evangelist he is a pastor of a church in Korean town inside Los Angeles and he is a second generation pastor you can check him out online for all of the information about him b100lim.org b100lim.org ben why b100lim that's kind of a funny why isn't it just benlim.org
3: well i think ben lim was taken up And we're going to be changing very soon, but growing up in my younger days, as my name is Benjamin, which talks about the hundred dollar bills, or which talks about being hundred percent. So B one hundred, it talks about B one hundred in every way of your life. Yes, got it. I love so, that. So
2: there's a there's a message in there. You're hundred percent sold out for God, hundred percent all in. Amen. That's great. Um, so I love that. So Ben, one of the things you know you were just sharing about um, your ministry to the to the millennials, and uh, in the, in perspective of that, what do you think is the most important message that the body of Christ needs to hear from? you right now uh
3: i believe the most important message right now it's really the turning of the fathers to the sons and sons to the fathers okay. which is what we shared right before this mm-hmm. commercial break which is the restoration of the family unit i believe god is bringing honor back to the fathers and honor back uh into the home and we see uh different things happening slowly but surely and i believe that again there's honor that's being restored uh and so what does that mean the generational blessings are not flowing in the way that it should. Mm-hmm. And we all know that God is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is a tri-generational God. But if there is no honor, Uh, If the parents continue to, uh, you know, aggravate the children, if the children are continuing to be proud and arrogant towards Mm -hmm. the parents, then how is there going to be honor or a flow of the generations of blessings? And I believe that there's so many things that God wants to give to the millennials, to this young generation, but we just need to learn to be quiet and honor our fathers and mothers and trust and just receive and believe that there's something important that the young voice has, because a lot of millennials, young people, even for myself growing up, uh, we believe that there's something special that God's given us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people can call it entitlement, can call it pride, uh, but we believe with all confidence that there's something God's given us. And when fathers and mothers actually give a platform rather than try to control and overbear. But when pops and moms, when dads and moms give a platform to try to raise up and lift them up and elevate together, not just in foolishness by releasing and sending off too quickly, but together as the family of God side by side, then I believe that's going to be the greatest demonstration of this move of God in America and in the world.
2: Could you have ever imagined when you were in your state of rebellion and you know had not yet turned to where you are now, that God was writing that into your story. Because what you, you've you lived out, God doesn't waste that example, but you are living it out in the flesh with your relationship with your father and the way you're both now serving him and proclaiming the word.
3: That's correct. That and awesome. I, I, I believe 100% that... Every parent's desire is to see their children better off than themselves. Mm -hmm. If not, then, you know, why are they a parent? You know, then they're just very narcissistic and selfish. But I believe every parent wants to see their children on fire for the Lord, Mm -hmm. no matter what it looks like. And I believe that in this season, we're going to see an uh, increase of return of prodigals. The prodigals are coming home. Mm -hmm. They're coming back to the father's house. Uh, Your sons and daughters, as it says in the book of Joel and repeated in the book of Acts, they shall prophesy the word of the Lord. All right. So many children, I mean, they're trying to raise up their banners, you know, for this cause or for this movement. And they're trying to be a part of a movement. You Mm -hmm. see that? They want to be part of a family. When I was in backslid in my old days, I wanted to be part of a family. I wanted to be part of something important and bigger than myself. And that became gangs and drugs. But these young people want to identify themselves with something that's greater than themselves. And when they realize that it has to do with Jesus, it has to do with this end times revival, with this move of God, then they're going to be empowered and feel valued, and there's going to be something shifting.
1: What you just said, what's amazing about the millennial generation is that it is very consistent throughout that whole generation and the upcoming digital gen. That they really do want to be some part of something way bigger than them. They they don't want just a job. They want something they want to do something that's significant. They don't just want to get a paycheck. They want to know that what they do matters. And that's why what we talk about in iWorkFrame is so important because for them to recognize that no matter how they are equipped, no matter what the call is on their lives, that their work really matters to God. How have you seen your interaction, you know, your evangelistic platform, how have you seen that interact with the marketplace? And how have you seen as Christ-following young people have recognized that their work really does matter to God, how do you see that transforming the, the communities?
3: Uh, I believe marketplace, we have to go hand-in-hand hand with evangelistic campaigns, with these media outlets, with uh, you know evangelistic outreaches, feeding the poor, with these crusades and these gospel campaigns. It has to because the reason why people in the marketplace are receiving uh, finances and have legislation in government and in the business realm. It really is to reach the masses. It really is to reach the lost. And even Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship, uh, which was started, it was all about marketplace ministers who began to preach the gospel to the world. And we see that happening even now. And we need that. We need the papas, the mamas, we need the fathers and the mothers who maybe have a little bit more income than the millennial young people, young kids. Right. But these kids such as myself, that, were, that are on fire with passion for evangelism and missions and to reach the lost. We need to partner with CEOs, with entrepreneurs, with businessmen. We need to partner with fathers and mothers who have more experience, who have more wisdom, who have more connections and networks, who have more resources and finances. And we need to partner together as the parents have more wisdom and finances and experience and connections. And as the younger generation have, in a sense, more energy, mm-hmm. more time, Sure. And more creativity. And together if we blend and mix and partner, use together our strengths and our gifts and our uh our experiences, then man, that's gonna be powerful.
1: I think the other big difference between the millennial generation and the older generations is also a lack of fear. They they That's you know,
3: absolutely correct.
1: Because in in you know, starting in our generation, so we're we're young, we're we're old Xers or young boomers, and we're really in the in between spot. I consider myself more of an Xer, is that we were always told to keep, I grew up in Minnesota where you just don't really talk about your faith. So we were told to, you know, to, to keep our faith behind us, almost fearful that we don't want to offend anybody kind of thing. And, and the next generation is like, no, Jesus is who's, that's who the answer is. All these people are seeking an answer and Jesus is the answer to all the questions that they're asking. But so you've got the energy, the enthusiasm and the faith of the younger generation coupled with the wisdom and experience and the cash in the older generations that makes a, a, a great plan. Martha, yesterday uh, we were talking with Anna about Ben, and there was a story that Anna wanted us to make sure that we had Ben talk about.
2: Yeah, so um, we were, I don't remember what led up to this, but we heard about a dream that you had and how a marketplace person kind of ful- helped fulfill that dream. It was about a check that you ended up being given. Is that correct?
3: That's correct.
2: Tell us about that.
3: Well, I always joke and say, as the scriptures say, old men will dream dreams and young men will have visions. Uh Uh, I rarely get dreams because I'm not too old. But anyway, that's (laughs) just a little joke there. But I am always asking God to speak to me. Through unusual ways, you know, in dreams and visions, and through divine appointments. And in this year in January, I went up to Canada, and uh, it was beautiful. It was there was snow falling, and uh, and you could see it from our hotel room. And I went up to Canada, and I knew that God had a special appointment for me there. And I also got to meet with Doctor Lance Wall and I at the same mm-hmm. time as well. But that first night, I woke up from a dream and had my roommate there, and I woke up from the dream, and I I shared with him. This dream, right when I woke up, because I did not want to forget any detail about it. Mm -hmm. And I said, in this dream, I was in a log cabin. Many times when God speaks to me, it's in the woods and in log cabins. And I was in this log cabin, and there was a gentleman there, and he was handing out checks. And I saw one of my friends that I recognized, and he gave a $10,000 check to this gentleman and to other people. And then lastly, he turned towards me, and it was a $100,000 check. And written on the bottom of it was a legacy. And then I woke up from the dream. Mm-hmm. And I told my friend Andrew, I said, I just had this amazing dream. I can't believe it. Uh, you know, this guy was passing out uh, d- these checks. But to me, he gave a $100,000 check and it wrote legacy. Well, a few days later, uh, I come back home to Los Angeles and I'm preaching at our church. And there was a gentleman there. And uh, he he goes down at the power of God. He, he's receiving, uh, you know, the anointing. He's being blessed in our service. And at the end of that, he comes up to me and he says, Ben. If you need anything, let me know and, you know, we'll do it. And uh, I hesitated for a moment and I said, sir, we actually need 50 grand right now. We need 50 grand for a number of different projects we have for media, for, uh, to set these crusades and these stadiums for evangelistic efforts. And he said, we need 50 grand to help stabilize our ministry for the beginning of this year, 2018. Mm-hmm. This was just uh, literally January. Okay. And I said, we need 50 grand. Later on, he messages me and he says, I want to give you 75. (laughs) And right after that, I felt the boldness. There you go, Jim. Key word, boldness, boldness, boldness. I felt the boldness. And I said, sir, I want to tell you that I had this prophetic dream that I believe God gave me just a few days before I met with you here in my church. Just a few days. And I said, I'm going to be bold. And in this dream, somebody gave me a check of $100,000 and written on the bottom was legacy. Well, guess what? And Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2018, we received a check in the mail on Valentine's Day for $100,000. Not for ministry, but for legacy. And I really believe that's what God is speaking in this hour. If there's a difference between ministry and legacy, what do we want to leave behind? And even for myself, as a young 27-year-old millennial pastor, I'm thinking about legacy. I'm already thinking about what can I do? How can I live my life? Position all that I do so that we will leave a legacy, something that's going to be tangible and materialized, left behind for our children's children to receive. So that was a dream and uh, it came to fulfillment. And uh, there's a few other dreams that I've received and I'm waiting for that to come to pass as well. But absolutely, that is an example of how God is using the partnership, the synergy. It, It is essential. We need the kingdom marketplace ministers to partner with these evangelistic crusades because the billion soul harvest is at hand.
1: Are you seeing business people, people in the marketplace, people in their workplaces? Because not everybody considers themselves part of the marketplace. Government workers, teachers, um, uh, hospital workers, doctors, they don't consider themselves part of the marketplace, even though they really are. They consider themselves, but they have a workplace and they understand, you know, Christ followers are waking up to this idea that they understand that their workplace really is a place of ministry that really is a mission field are you seeing people waking up to that idea and i'll let you answer that question when we come back from the break we're talking with ben lim martha this is this is exciting this is what we've been we look for all the time
2: well it really is and one of the things and i'm sure you get this from people maybe you don't i don't know but um, i just want to encourage you in your conversation with your generation because Um, we know that God has great things for the millennials and there are a lot of people out there kind of using that as a bad word, you know, and they, they see some of the negatives, but yet... We're kind of responsible for some of those negatives in the generations above the millennials. Our kids are perfect. So even your conversation about saying, you know, instead of the parents, you know, hovering around and making decisions, raise them up with honor and allow them to be all that God created them to be. So keep speaking that into everyone at all generations so that we're hearing that truth. So I just want to encourage you with that. But we've been talking...
1: I want want to make sure you answer the question. Exactly. So I asked you a question right before the break. We're fighting for the microphones. No, not at all. How are you seeing people waking up to that idea and putting into action, connecting their faith and their work and living that out?
3: I believe there's a true hunger for people to understand their God-given assignment and mandate. And whether that looks like being a a dentist or being an eye doctor or being a teacher, I believe uh, first and foremost, people need to understand what is their God-given gifts And what do they thrive in doing? And a lot of people, I mean, uh, in the past generations, we see they spent uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars being in college tuition debt. Mm. And they have a degree and they don't even use the degree. And they end up doing a job that they're so miserable in and they hate and they're so bitter and they're angry at God and they're wondering why. And God says, I never told you to do that. Yeah. He said, Why are you doing what the culture and the system of the world is telling you to do just because it looks good to the eyes and to the wisdom of man? And I believe there's a whole paradigm shift that really is happening in understanding your role and your position wherever you are and bringing God's glory in that place, in that position. So definitely, Jim, we're seeing an increase of people loving what they're doing, being empowered in their giftings, and as well thriving uh, and shining a light by being fruitful in their gifts. And really, if if we're not using our gifts, if we're not doing what we love passionately for the Lord, then, you know, why are we living? We're just merely existing. So I believe God is bringing activation and awareness to uh, our mandate from heaven.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm, That is great. I hope people are continuing to hear that conversation. So if you were one of God's generals and you had a large unified force of believers who are ready to move at your word, what would you do with them?
3: You know, I believe it would be, send them out on the streets. I'm reminded of the passage where Jesus, where he first sent out the 12, and then he sent out the 70. He put the same impartation of the Spirit of God that was on his life, and he released it to the 70 disciples, and they went out into the streets. And he said, where, where do you go, uh, do not, you, need, you do not need to carry an extra tunic, an extra bag. You know, if somebody receives you, then there will be peace, and let that peace rest upon them. And I believe in the same manner where Jesus sent out, That's the word, Matthew 28. all authority has been given unto me so therefore go, it's the go of the gospel, it's stepping out in faith, and it's being radical in your gifts and your desires and the passions that God has given you, so I believe it really is to activate and send out people into the mission field send them out into the streets, whatever that looks like, your streets may be Hollywood your streets may be the marketplace your streets may be the slums in Africa but wherever your streets are, we need to be faithful to go out and to be commissioned and to feel released and one thing a lot of people they don't feel the permission or the release even from their pastors and from their leaders you may not feel the permission the release to go but god has given you the permission god has given you the release from heaven and when people come around you and they agree with that then it's going to be powerful and i, I i'm uh, it's so sad martha because a lot of people are really living under their god-given potential mm-hmm. because quote unquote, some people do not believe in them yet.
2: So how do you think we communicate that? How do we do a better job of helping them to understand that they've already been released to go do whatever God has called them to do in their with whatever mantle they're carrying?
3: Well, I think uh, once again, it starts with the parents. Mm. It starts with the priests. It starts with the leaders, the influencers of society. We see even a book of Joel that it says, uh, you know, the priests, uh, the fathers, uh, the Levites, it is the leaders of society where we bear more responsibility on our hands. Well, you know, and we're, we're going to be responsible in the long run. So I think uh, for parents, for pastors, for leaders, we need to first have the paradigm shift where we understand, as Martin Luther said in the Great Reformation 500 years ago, every believer is a priest. Every believer has been commissioned to work the kingdom mandate. And once we believe 100% that it's not just about the clergy, but it's also the laymen, once we understand that it's not just about the 1% of the church Mm -hmm. that's going to be preaching from the pulpit, but your pulpit may be in the world. 99% of the church, their pulpit is in front of a desk or it's, it's on the fields of school or, or business or government. Mm -hmm. And we got to find out where our pulpit is and we need to be effective and we need to understand that we are holy priests unto the lord and so it starts with the leaders it starts with the influencers the mind molders of society and when we begin to uh, receive that paradigm shift and we impart that to our children then nothing's impossible
1: we're talking today with ben Lim. check him out online b100lim.org b100lim.org we're here ben because of the world changer network and when you hear about the world changer network and you hear about the things that are going on what excites you most about that platform
3: Uh, I believe it's the creativity of wanting to collaborate together. And again, the key word is collaboration or it's unity. I believe that there needs to be more platforms where different people from all uh, echelons of society, where we just come together with no agenda, but God's kingdom, no agenda, but seeing souls reached, seeing our dreams advance, seeing the word of the Lord move forward. And I believe platform like, uh, world or platform like this it really is allowing people to let down their safeguards and their defensive mechanisms and to come together and to celebrate each other you may be different from me you may be different from my gifting and from what i believe i'm called to but together when we celebrate one another and we learn to collaborate and unify under the banner and the headship of christ jesus then i believe something beautiful is going to happen so i'm really excited even over the next few days of the creative collaborative of works that's going to be released and come out, and that's going to destroy the works of hell, mm-hmm. and that's going to reach millions and billions of souls. I'm really excited about that, Jim. Mm, me too. I Absolutely. Martha.
2: You know, so we know that you have a church that you are speaking to. You're speaking in, and you're carrying this mantle of stadiums and crusades. What is What is that looking like into the future for you?
3: uh How far into the Are there, future? Oh,
2: whatever God's telling you. I don't know.
3: Well, this year our ministry we're believing to see five hundred thousand souls saved. Last year, mm. two thousand seventeen, benlin Ministries, we saw two two. Excuse me, we saw one hundred and forty thousand souls. But this year we're believing, endeavoring to see. 500,000 souls in one month's time in July. Uh, we already rented out a stadium in Tijuana, Mexico. Okay. We're believing for 50,000 souls there. And also we're going to be going back to Africa by the end of the year. And again, all of these creative feature films and these dynamic, uh, ways where we're going to preach the gospel and convey the message uh, to the world. So literally in this year, 2018, we're believing for 500,000 souls. So we would appreciate all your prayers. Yes. So if
1: you have 50,000 people in a stadium in Tijuana. Talk to me about who does the follow up. I mean, those people, they, they hear the message of the gospel, the truth of Jesus, and they are absolutely wanting to surrender to him. Who, who does the follow up? Who's doing the discipleship? Who's coming alongside of them to, to lead them? How's, how's the follow up work been Where, with ministries? Well,
3: with well, every region, every country, we do it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But, uh, in Tijuana, the apostolic leaders, the pastors, uh, they are going to be collecting the data and the statistics and they're going to be connecting them to local churches. Like in Pakistan, the strategy was different in pakistan sure yes in pakistan because we had to rent out buses what happened was every bus we're starting a local home group uh-huh. every bus and so i think we rented out around 300 uh buses in pakistan so every single wow. bus is going to be a local home group because that bus comes from, from exactly Simway. different areas yeah. so once the leaders there they recognize who is quote unquote, a possible leader that can be accountable and that can be raised up, that person will have the responsibility to start a home group church. And again, that multiplies all around the world. And so that's a strategy, but every region, every country has a different strategy. And I think that's how we need to approach it.
1: Sure. All right. 30 seconds. Tell me just one thing that the Lord said, Hey, Ben, I want you to share it with the I Work Frame audience. <laughs> one thing that the, this body of
3: Christ needs to hear from Ben Lim. We have just ended a 70 year cycle. The embassy has been moved to Jerusalem. Israel became a nation in 1948. 1948, that was the same time that uh, there was uh, the latter rain outpouring in Battleford, Canada. That was when prophecy and signs and wonders began to move at a different rate and, and capacity. We have just ended a 70-year cycle, and we're entering into a new 70-year cycle. So get ready with what, what God's going to do. It's going to be incredible.
1: Ben Lim. It's been an amazing time on Thank the air today. Thank you for today. having me, Marshall. I appreciate you, too. We're grateful to have you. Check Ben out online, b100lim.org, b100lim.org. I, I'm excited. I, I share this podcast with everybody that you know just to inspire people to see that the, that the that God is moving vibrantly around the world Mm -hmm. you're listening to i work for him with your host jim and martha brangenberg we're christ followers our our workplace it's our mission field but ultimately i I work work for him. him